0: Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's uh, podcast, Frankly Speaking, uh, by uh, Friends of Europe. Uh, Once again, I have the pleasure to moderate uh, today's discussion. I'm Jamie Shea, Senior Fellow at Friends of Europe. Uh, I'm joined, as always, uh, by uh, my fellow Senior Fellow, uh, our Uh, commentator today, uh, Paul Taylor, uh, also uh, distinguished columnist uh, at Politico and former Reuters diplomatic correspondent. Sometimes uh, the podcast is Paul and I shooting the breeze, uh, as we did last week, but today uh, I'm delighted that we have a a special guest and an important uh, special guest. Uh, We have Ambassador Vactan Macharob Lishvili, uh who is and ambassador, I hope that I pronounce that name your name reasonably correctly um the ambassador is the representative of georgia to the european union um, he's a good friend of friends of europe because he's participated in many of our activities but this is the first time ambassador that you've appeared uh, on the podcast so uh delighted to have you welcome and thank you very much indeed for accepting uh, our invitation now ambassador uh obviously our focus has been on the war in ukraine um, and of course, uh, we're going to mark, sadly, the twenty on the 24th of February, the first anniversary of that conflict, uh, a lot of commentary will be on how the war has impacted Ukraine. But today, uh, we want to find out how the Ukraine conflict has impacted uh, Georgia, because Georgia uh, is, is another country with very strong attachments to the West, like Ukraine. It has received uh, the promise that it will be a member of NATO one day at NATO summit back in uh, Bucharest back in 2008. And it's also a country which has been in the running uh, for candidate status uh, of uh, the European uh, Union a- and a country which uh, historically, culturally, in so many aspects, uh, has very strong ties, of course, to the Euro Atlantic family. So, uh, Ambassador, give us a sense of how uh, you in Georgia have been experiencing the war in Ukraine. Thus far, Uh, I imagine uh, a final comment before I hand the microphone to you, that there's speculation that on the one hand, has it increased Russian pressure uh, on you and your domestic affairs? On the other hand, has Russia been so preoccupied with all of the setbacks that it's been facing you in Ukraine with the war in Ukraine? Uh, maybe withdrawing some of the Russian troops from Abkhazia and South Ossetia, that maybe it's giving you more of a breathing space. So uh, give us an idea of which of the two options is the is the true one. And again, welcome very much.
1: Well, uh, good morning, uh, Jamie. Good morning, Paul. It's, of course, great pleasure uh, to be with you on today's this- Uh, meeting, and I really like the title of the program, frankly speaking, because I always uh, like to uh, speak uh, frankly, and of course, um, thanks for this opportunity today. Uh, Regarding, of course, uh, your your first question, uh, of course, um, I think one should, uh, first of all, recall that Unfortunately, um, you know, Georgia has been in conflict with Russian Federation for many years. I mean, it has not started now, but it actually it has started some 30 years ago when Georgia first made its uh, value-based choice towards European and Euro-Atlantic integration. And since then, unfortunately, we have had a number of uh, conflicts, uh, wars with Russia, and the first one was in 1992 and it it was followed by in uh, in, uh, 1993 and of course uh, the one in 2008. And uh, as you very well know, as we speak, uh, Russia still occupies 20% of uh, Georgia's territory and some 10% of Georgia's population uh, are still uh, IDPs and refugees within their own country. So, of course, the unprovoked and unjustified uh, Russian military aggression uh, and war against Ukraine has shaken the whole security architecture of Europe and of the whole world. And certainly it has affected uh, in a negative way and it has caused the exasperation of the situations uh, in other hotspots that Russia has created, and especially in particular in Georgia. And here I come specifically to answer your question because of course some would think that the attention had been taken away from Georgia, but uh, on the other hand, uh, as Georgia being a unique country in Europe where Russia uh, has its uh, military, military troops uh, within uh, the country against the consent of the uh, host nation, uh, the, the threat of, of any military uh, activities in Georgia and escalation of the situation has been uh, there throughout for the last one year. And uh, in, uh, of course, um, on the one hand, we are really happy and uh, you know, the government has been uh, working um, hard in that direction that uh, uh, there are no military activities uh, in Georgia and we are not uh, catching uh, attention of international broadcasters uh, from that point of view. But on the other hand, the situation in the occupied territories of Georgia, unfortunately, have not uh, improved. In fact, if you look at the humanitarian and human rights situation on the ground, it has uh, deteriorated. and. Uh, Russia had been exploiting uh, all the whole range uh, of toolbox of uh, hybrid tools um, uh, in Georgia to deteriorate the situation, to weaken the government, uh, and of course, uh, weaken uh, the sovereignty of the country as well. So, one uh, thing—I uh, mean, I should—I I can certainly say that with all the you know continuous annexation processes, with all the Borderization uh, activities uh, taking taking place with all the uh, new cases of detentions um, and you know uh, jeopardizing freedom of uh, movement and many other violations of uh, of human rights showcase us that the situation is very tense, very difficult, very fragile, and of course Georgia that makes Georgia very vulnerable. Uh, one thing yeah, I should yeah, probably yeah. underscore is that, uh, I mean, I think the whole, the whole story has shown us that Russia pursues the single policy towards uh, Ukraine, towards Georgia, and probably towards any, uh, every other uh, neighbor. Therefore, any solution that uh, will be, or could be discussed uh, by the international community should not uh, leave out uh, Georgia.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly come to, to that in terms of what you expect from an international community. And indeed, we're coming to it already. Uh, just one more question to you before I, I bring Paul in. Um, yeah. Ambassador, you, you saw that last year the EU made this uh, fairly dramatic, if you think of the past, a gesture in uh, granting candidate status to Ukraine and Moldova. Of course, uh, we'll have to see, you know, how many years it will take to turn that into the reality of EU membership. But it held back uh, on candidate status for 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 georgia and you have to fulfill a number of conditions uh before hopefully uh georgia can also have that formally the candidate status and i know that also uh and and you know this as well because like uh, paul and i you read the media that some of the reporting recently on georgia has not been encouraging you know there's been of course the detention of the former president, Mikhail Shakashvili, and whether the government would release him on compassionate medical grounds. Uh, There's been some talk about uh, Georgia going back closer to to, to Russia. Um, uh, There's obviously been worries about the health of the democracy. Uh, I'm the first person ambassador to acknowledge that there's no such thing as a perfect democracy. We all have our problems. But uh, uh, but a question here, uh, well, two questions really is part of one. Are you confident that Georgia will be to meet the conditions set by the commission and the eu summit and quickly get the candidate status and, and catch up with what's going on with ukraine at the moment how difficult is this and, and and secondly you know i know that it's not always easy for ambassadors to comment on the domestic situation but uh yeah, are, are, are any of these worries about Georgia sort of giving up on the West and moving in a different direction? Uh, is it just media hype or uh, do we have cause for concern? Um, and I know that Paul will want to come in on this, but let's listen to you first,
1: Ambassador. Sure. Uh, thanks uh, for these questions. And in fact, you have did reflect uh, a couple of questions. And of course, I'll, I'll try uh, to answer them uh, briefly. First on the, on the candidate status, um, of course, uh, for, I think one should uh, first of all underscore the historical uh, significance of, uh, of last year's uh, June decision when uh, the Council, European Council uh, decided to grant uh, perspective to three Eastern European countries, Ukraine, Moldova, and Georgia. And of course, uh, this uh, had been uh, a promise that once uh, and when the countries will uh, fulfill relevant criteria so they will become EU, EU member. And this is very important for Georgia, for a country which has made its value-based choice, as I've mentioned, some 30 years ago. And since then, population of government and the support for EU uh, integration and EU membership has never gone below 70, 75%. And right now, last year's, uh, last week's polls show that it is uh, at, uh, at the... Uh, at 81%. And every government that had been in Georgia had been uh, putting its rigs uh, on this uh, path. And of course last year's decision is an important milestone in that direction. Of course, uh, I I mean, I must say frankly that uh, we were a little bit also disappointed while we were very happy with last year's decision because we humbly uh, thought and believed that we merit-based all the geopolitical considerations Georgia also deserved to be given the uh, same starting point uh, as other our friends and partners in the region. But I think it was important that uh, Georgia and the government uh, had been quick in terms of starting the implementation uh, process of those 12 priorities that had been set forward by the commission and approved by the council. Right now, um, I mean, their work is in progress, number of priorities have been already implemented, number of them are are in the process, on some of them we are expecting uh, some other uh, organizations like Venice Commission, OSC, to give, to give us a feedback and we will proceed with their implementation. In this regard, I think it is also noteworthy to mention the uh, report that the Commission uh, published uh, approximately one week uh, one week ago. This is the second half of of uh, Avis that had been published last year. And uh, last week's uh, report, which is on EU Aki, I think uh, very well showcases uh, where Georgia stands. Uh, and I think it also showcases that uh, we are well placed uh, uh, in terms of having a good starting point uh, to, to launch accession negotiations and we are well placed among not only trio countries but also uh, w- with regard to other candidate countries from uh, Balkan states. So uh, we are hopeful that, uh, you know, with our homework done, uh, Council uh, will, uh, will, first of all, the Commission uh, will be in a position and uh, able to recommend uh, to the Council to Grand Georgia candidate status in October. And then, of course, the Council hopefully could decide uh, and Grand Georgia candidate status uh, by the end of the year. Uh, the second part of the question, if I may, uh, was regarding uh, whether Georgia has been moving away, away or, um, uh, you know, has chosen a, a different path. Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, uh, this is... a uh, just part of the ha- hybrid uh, warfare, I suppose, because uh, certainly uh, Georgia ha- is very firm on its uh, stance, uh, very firm on its path. I think a uh, number of you know, uh, achievements, uh, you know, starting with the implementation of the association agreement, the CFTA, visa liberalization agreement, uh, you know, kind of a putting the EU membership and NATO membership in the constitution of Georgia, also declaring uh, some two and a half years ago that uh, that Georgia would apply for EU membership by 2024, by the government. And all all of them have demonstrated that, you know, the choices and the goals uh, have not not, uh, changed. And of course, it is uh, extremely important that uh, government and the whole society, because it's a whole society which uh, should implement uh, all the priorities. uh, uh, we will continue with this homework, and the inclusive process is very important. And this is something that, as a diplomat, I can certainly underscore that. Um, you know, be it ruling party or the opposition party, be it uh, any NGO, think tank, any citizen of Georgia, everybody should uh, contribute to this process, and the inclusive process is paramount to achieve our goals.
0: Thank you, Ambassador. Uh, Paul, uh, as a close connoisseur of the Brussels scene, how is Georgia you think perceived uh, in the corridors of the European institutions at the moment? And uh, where do you share or perhaps not share the ambassador's uh, assessment?
2: Well, it's not easy being Georgia is the first thing. Part of its uh, uh, territory uh, is not under the control of the central government uh, uh, and is held by Russian-backed separatists, uh, as the ambassador said that complicates the whole situation and has done uh, in particular since the 2008 uh, Russian intervention, but even before. Um, And that's clear. Similarly, bordering on a much bigger, powerful country, Russia, uh, with which it was once a partner in the Soviet Union, Georgia has difficult choices to make about uh, uh, relations with Russia have been have been bad. Russia has imposed sanctions on Georgia. Uh, Well before the West imposed sanctions on Russia, Um, and so that makes it complicated as well. So when the Russians, for example, now dangle the possibility that they might allow uh, flights to resume to Georgia, that's a difficult issue for the Georgian government because Western countries have banned flights from Russia, and there are very few countries that allow them. And the West is, I know, putting pressure on uh, Georgia not to allow flights to resume. So. It's complicated. Uh, more than a million Russians have crossed the border into Georgia um, since the start of the war. Um, and although many of them moved on or went back, something like 300,000, I think, have, uh, have stayed in Georgia. Uh, that, that's a figure, a ballpark figure, let's say. And that, you know, is a huge number of people. For a small country like Georgia, it's about 8% of their population. And it has effects on all sorts of things. Um, and Georgians have difficulty, to some extent, I think, in, in working out how they should deal with these people. Are these people Russian dissidents? Are they, are they friends and supporters of Georgia? Uh, might they be a fifth column at some stage, or are they just kind of opportunists sitting out the war in, in, in the comfort of Georgia, pushing up the rents and the prices in Georgia, uh, but not actually um, being seriously in opposition to the Kremlin? So Georgia has its problem. On the other hand, it has to be said that seen from Brussels, you know, Georgia has scored a number of own goals in the football parlance in over the years. Um, Georgia went from being absolutely the poster child for reform, which is confirmed, as you say, by this commission uh, uh, opinion on uh, the extent to which Georgia has already uh, uh, implemented parts of European Union law, what you call the acquis in the EU jargon. But you know, there's been backsliding uh, on a number of things that are really important to the European Commission and to the European Parliament. So the European Parliament passed a resolution um, last year, which was highly critical of Georgia, uh, uh, essentially around the issues of media freedom, persecution of opposition media, uh, legal, you know, vexatious legal proceedings against uh, independent journalists, uh, the failure to really uh, get, prosecute those behind the attacks on journalists at, uh, at a banned gay pride parade in, uh, in Tbilisi last year, various things on the media freedom front, and of course, front and centre, um, the legal vendetta, if you like, uh, against former President Saakashvili. And many of those reforms, which have brought put Georgia in a good position to be a candidate for the EU were carried out in the Saakashvili era. Um, and you know, I went to Georgia and saw how he had closed down the corrupt police and founded an entirely new police force with new, brand new police stations and brand new police cars and so on, in order to clean up. And on those issues, Georgia was way ahead of its peers uh, in, ratings that the commission looks at, like the transparency international rating and so on. So there's a sense that A, Georgia has taken some steps back uh, in terms of the values and and things that matter uh, to the European Union, and B, um, that Georgia's uh, progress has become linked, whether you like it or not, um, to the fate of former President Saakashvili, who is in prison, who was just another appeal court last week, denied him early release. Um, His health is uh, certainly bad. Just how bad is a matter of dispute. His lawyers say he's dying. He says he's dying. Um, The uh, Georgian authorities say he's putting it on. Um, But clearly, this is a, a focal point for political attention in the European Union and in NATO.
0: Right so paul thanks for that we've got you know on the on the macro uh, issues uh, the conditionality and so on uh, some very 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 good progress uh, but uh, not allowing it at least in terms of perceptions to be undermined by uh, some of these other sort of issues more in the field of media freedoms and human rights. Ambassador, I know you're going to want to respond to Paul on that. Can I ask you also, um, uh, if you don't mind, to respond briefly, uh, simply because I'd like to also wrap this in with an, a second question, which is my old organisation, NATO. Um, we, we read so much about the you know NATO allies and NATO defence ministers are meeting this week again, you know, giving all of this assistance to Ukraine. We don't hear so much about what those allies are doing in terms of making the resilience of Georgia Uh, uh, more effective, helping the Georgian army, you know, is Georgia also receiving new equipment from the the West and so on? So, uh, you know, how do you see the progress also uh, moving towards NATO membership? So I know that these two issues are not exactly the same, what Paul has said, and the NATO issue, but if you don't mind in your next Intervention, which is right now, Ambassador. If you could nonetheless take the two on, uh, whether you want to speak about NATO first and then uh, uh, former President Shakashvili or the other way around, I leave it to you. But I'd be grateful if you could tackle those two aspects. The microphone is back to you, Ambassador.
1: Sure. Uh, many thanks. Well, I'll try to uh, reflect uh, on all uh, topics. Of course, uh, try to do it briefly. First of all, on uh, on. Uh, Again, when it comes to uh, where Georgia stands, uh, and um, uh, Paul mentioned that uh, you know it is difficult nowadays to be uh, Georgia and Georgian, and I certainly agree with that uh, because uh, you know we are neighboring Russian Federation. We have, as uh, we have mentioned, uh, Russian troops within our country. So you know Georgia's uh, case uh, is unique, uh, and of course it is. Uh, uh, very, uh, very important, and uh, how Georgia and Georgian government uh, behave to ensure that you know we do not end up also in, in another warfare, of course. Uh, but um, you know, while um, while of course, I mean, while talking about this, I should uh, underscore uh, where Georgia stands when it comes to Russian aggression in Ukraine, and. Uh, uh, I must say that, uh, I mean, we have been uh, supportive uh, to, to Ukraine and uh, supportive to international community uh, in all fronts. Uh, I mean, if we, if we look at the resolutions uh, uh, you know, in uh, international organizations, be it UN, OSCE, uh, Human Rights Council, Council of Europe, I don't know, you name it. Georgia has been uh, extremely vocal and extremely supportive, uh, not only uh, supporting the resolutions, but also being a sponsor and World Cosmos or the main sponsor of the resolutions. We have also uh, voted in favor of suspension of uh, Russian uh, membership in a number of uh, international organizations, uh, as well as uh, being one of the uh, countries who have referred to ICC for the investigation uh, of the war crimes. I can go on and on with the list, it's it's really big, but of course, uh, I also would want to mention that uh, we have also aligned to all HRVP declarations as well as um, sanctions uh, on, on regions of uh, Crimea, Donbass, and all international uh, financial sanctions. And uh, uh, our Prime Minister, as well as Minister of Finance, uh, have uh, on numerous occasions uh, underlined that Georgia is not going to be the country of circumvention of sanctions. And as you can imagine, it is not uh, easy given our uh, our geographic location and our neighbourhood, but uh, there have been no single evidence uh, which would uh, prove uh, otherwise. Um, on uh, on uh, former President Sakashvili, uh, I would uh, say just a couple of things. First of all, I mean uh, the the cases uh, are there. Right? The cases, uh, and I'm not a lawyer or not, or a politician. I'm a diplomat, so I'm not going to go into the details of the of the cases. But uh, some of the cases have been also backed up by the. Strasbourg Human Rights Court. And uh, you know, of course, uh, these are the reasons for, uh, for, uh, for the detention. Uh, on the other hand, of course, uh, uh, health of a uh, former president uh, or any other person as a matter of fact is extremely important and uh, government bears responsibility for that. And uh, I can assume uh, and I'm sure that uh, if anybody is or should be interested in a good health, uh, of of, uh, former president, uh, it is the government uh, in in that regard. Uh, When it comes to uh, setbacks or or backslidings, I mean, in a very difficult circumstances, uh, we certainly have some troubles and problems. But on the other hand, uh, I think uh, and I believe uh, Georgia has been still moving forward. Uh, And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Paul mentioned uh, European Parliament resolution but I would also uh, compliment uh, with the, the reports done by uh, Commission and yes uh, rega- regarding uh, association agreement and DCFTA implementations and these documents certainly pinpoint that Georgia had been moving forward with its reforms.
0: Thank you. I apologize for interrupting. It's just I'm mindful of the clock and we've got so many minutes left. So thank you very much for uh, obviously uh, responding to Paul's comments. Uh, I'd like also to give Paul a sentence at the end just for concluding thoughts. Um, And I'm sure our listeners would would like to hear a little bit about the NATO issue, even if we have to tackle it very briefly. And the other thing uh, I'd like to question you on before we close, which is essential, is energy security, because uh, obviously the Ukraine conflict has given rise to a big debate in Europe about future energy supplies, diversification, reducing dependency on Russia. Georgia is a very, very important transit country. So can you give us a couple of sentences on NATO, a couple of uh, sentences also on how you see the role of Georgia uh, in the future sort of energy uh, network uh, of the EU? Um, And uh, then I'll ask Paul maybe just for a concluding sentence. I wish we had more time, Ambassador, but the clock is the dictator uh, that none of us um, unfortunately are
1: are able to supersede over to you sir sure a couple of words on nato well first of all uh georgia started nato path uh, back in 2002 when uh, we declared uh, our interest to become a member and since then georgia of course uh, enhanced and intensified uh, its cooperation with nato and uh, you know, back in 2011 we became aspirant country and in 2014 we became enhanced opportunity partner so uh, and we have had uh, such a, a unique uh, and tailor-made uh, uh, programs like uh, SNGP, Substantial NATO Georgia Program, uh, uh, as well as uh, some other instruments. So the reason I'm mentioning it is because we have had an excellent practical cooperation with NATO. In, in many ways, Georgia has been already acting like an ally. This is not my words, but the words of many uh, ally, uh, ally members. Uh, and of course, uh, one, uh, I mean, one aspect is also important that Georgia, despite its size, has always uh, underlined that we want to be not only a recipient of the security, but a provider, and that's why we have contributed to NATO missions abroad uh, and be, being a biggest per capita contributor to those missions, not only as a matter of... Uh, uh, with NATO, but also with EU, we are part of EU missions abroad as well, and right now we are in Central African Republic uh, and Mali. I think uh, the aggression and war of Russia in uh, Ukraine once again um, vividly pin, uh, pinpointed that uh, uh, without uh, security and stability in Black Sea Europe, it is uh, difficult to achieve uh, security and stability in whole, e- whole European continent. Therefore. Um, It is important that uh, NATO, since 2016, as a matter of fact, has intensified its presence and involvement in the Black Sea region, and uh, certainly we hope that it would lead uh, to our membership at the end of the day, because one should uh, showcase that recent history, or the history of NATO, as a matter of fact, uh, has shown that um, every enlargement has brought only stability and security and prosperity to those regions, rather than conflicts and the instabilities. Uh, When it comes to uh, energy and and transport, that's a very good question and uh, a very important one because I think uh, current uh, realities and circumstances uh, put uh, Georgia on European uh, energy and transport security map uh, even even in a bigger uh, way because uh, certainly uh, Georgia always uh, have offered uh, itself to be an alternative route for energy and transport routes uh, for Europe, but uh, with current circumstances, uh, the need uh, and interest from Europe has uh, really intensified, and we are working together on a number of projects already in that direction, Uh, not only gas and oil, but also when it comes to green energy.
0: Paul, uh, uh, what is your takeaway from having listened to the ambassador uh, in the geopolitical sense of uh, where Georgia stands and uh, how close Georgia is to uh, uh, achieving that Euro-Atlantic integration?
2: I think Georgia is in a very paradoxical situation. Um, The West wants to integrate it geopolitically. Um, The West needs its help as, as the ambassador has set out as an energy corridor uh, between Russia and Iran, two countries with which it has long-term problems. Um, And on the other hand, there are issues, particularly of domestic situation in Georgia, uh, which we've talked about, which are an obstacle to that. I would venture that, you know, and the ambassador has set out the timeline, decisions, at least not final decisions, but the next opportunity for positive decisions would be the EU uh, Annual progress reports, the Commission's annual progress reports, and the EU summit at the end of the year. So Georgia knows it has homework, but the politics keeps getting in the way of that homework. And I would venture that unless President Saakashvili, former President Saakashvili, is freed and allowed to travel abroad for medical treatment, um, um, this will not lead, you know, Georgia will not progress this year. I think that will be the central issue. And um, I'm not sure whether people are aware of that in Tbilisi, but that's my political judgment. And I think they need to be aware of it. The other thing I would say is NATO membership, terribly difficult as long as you have Roy- Russian troops on your soil. And therefore, what about thinking about some, inter- some further interim security guarantees of the kind that Ukraine has been discussing through the initiative by former NATO Secretary General Anders Fokh Rasmussen? a sort of Kiev security pact that could be a Tbilisi security pact where um, a a coalition of willing uh, NATO partners don't give you Article 5 coverage, but engage in an extensive commitment to your security, including to build up your armed forces and enable you to defend yourselves better as an interim step on the way to NATO membership. So that's something that I think if I were Georgia it would be worth looking at.
0: Well, Paul, let's hope that in 2023, Ambassador, I'm sure you join us there, that Georgia manages to uh, reinforce the desire Uh, and uh, remove the obstacles. Of course, it takes two to tango and we therefore need the the EU, NATO to remain fully engaged. Uh, We need Georgia to play its part in responding to these great opportunities, particularly with candidate status that Georgia has. So so as I said, let's hope that all of the messages, both from Tbilisi towards Brussels and Brussels towards Tbilisi are being uh, heard. But to uh, Paul Taylor, uh, thanks as always, Paul, for uh, enlightening us on the view from Brussels and your own view, of course, Ambassador, so delighted that you accepted to be our special guest and for uh, frankly uh, answering the frankly speaking questions. Uh, You've risen to that challenge very well indeed, sir. And it was a pleasure to have you today. Uh, So uh, from now, uh, this week's uh, podcast uh, from me, Jamie Shea, uh, over and out. uh, And of course, another podcast uh, next week uh, as we go forward. But for today, again, thank you, Ambassador. Thanks, Paul. And goodbye.
1: That's it for this Frankly Speaking podcast. Consider subscribing to our newsletter or following us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And don't forget to tune in again this time next week.